Let's pray together. Oh God, in this season of sorrow and loss, surely we say Alleluia in remembrance of our many heroes. But Holy Father, today we have gathered to say Alleluia, Amen in remembrance of our hero. Do not let us forget, please. Don't let us forget. In His name we wait upon you. Amen. How would you define the word hero? Maybe you have a hero. Maybe you are a hero. I want to take a look at the dictionary definition of the word hero. It can be pronounced hero or hero. It's a noun. What is a hero? A person distinguished for exceptional courage, fortitude, or bold enterprise, especially in the time of war or danger. One idealized or held in esteem for superior qualities or deeds of any kind. A week ago, Thursday night, President George W. Bush stood before a packed House chamber of the United States Congress as he addressed the people and the leaders of this nation in the aftermath of our September 11 tragedies. Eighty-two million Americans watched and listened that night as the President flawlessly, as Newsweek magazine pronounced it, flawlessly delivered the speech of his life. There were two moments, as you recall, of particular emotion. President Bush welled up with tears. He choked up as he held aloft the brass badge of one of New York City's policemen lost in the thundering collapse of the World Trade Center. You remember that moment. The badge had been given to him by the policeman's grieving mother. This is my reminder, the president intoned, of lives that ended and a task that does not end. And then in honor of the more than 300 fallen heroes, the policemen, the firemen, the leaders of Congress, you remember, arose to their feet in a loud ovation of gratitude and remembrance. But there was one more very poignant, very touching moment in the President's address to the nation and to the world. That came, you recall, when he turned to the balcony and he introduced us to a petite young woman made a widow in the mysterious crash of United Flight 93. Her husband, Tom Burnett Jr., a passenger on that ill-fated flight, made four phone calls while he was in the air. And in his final call to his wife, Dina, Tom announced that he and several other passengers were going to, as he put it, do something about it. His last words were to her, I love you, honey. No one will ever know for sure what Thomas Burnett and the others then did. All we know is that United Flight 93 that was intended to become an airborne missile for the nation's capital was mysteriously brought down in a Pennsylvania field instead where all 44 occupants perished. When President Bush introduced 
Burnett's wife and widow Dina to the nation and the chamber once again rose to its feet in honor and remembrance. You remember that moment. We too struggled as she stood fighting back her tears. There wasn't a heart that did not share in that moment her tears of grief and loss. Two American heroes, one a policeman, one a passenger. And how did the dictionary define Hero, a person distinguished for exceptional courage, fortitude, or bold enterprise, especially, especially in the time of war or danger, one held in esteem for superior qualities or deeds. And so we gather today in remembrance of our hero. Open your Bible, please, to the book of Romans. That well-worn book in the New Testament, Romans Chapter 8, words that are not unfamiliar to the reader of this sacred volume, Romans chapter 8, in remembrance of our hero. Rather, that's Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 5, we're going to get to verse 8, it's the summit, it's the pinnacle of this passage, just three short verses, Romans chapter 5, I'm reading in the New Revised Standard Version, Romans chapter 5. Verse 6, you know the words well. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, someone might actually dare to die. I suppose, Paul writes, perhaps... Perhaps there would be a policeman somewhere or a firefighter who might dare to rush back into a burning tower to save just one more human being. Perhaps, rare, but perhaps a passenger could rush a cockpit of an airliner that is about to crash in order to save many more lives. But rarely, 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 Paul writes, rarely. But, verse 8, God proves His love for us in that while we still were sinners, Christ died for us. In remembrance of our hero. I don't know how they stormed the cockpit of United Flight 93. In his third call to Dina, Tom Burnett told his wife the passengers had taken a vote about fighting to take back control of the plane. Somebody did something that Tuesday, just as someone did something that Friday. Our hero, who single-handedly stormed the cockpit of this hijacked and doomed civilization, and sacrificially, mind you, threw himself against the evil mastermind who has terrorized this race from the very beginning. An evil mastermind bent on his suicide mission. Somebody stormed the cockpit to take him down our hero gave up his life. That billions of earth children might not perish, but have everlasting life. Ladies and gentlemen, never forget it. Calvary is where the cockpit of evil was finally stormed. Calvary. Calvary. Romans 5, verse 6, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Do you know? That Jesus died for those Tuesday terrorists. He died for every single one of them. 
Do you know that Jesus died for Osama bin Laden? Do you know that there lurk in the heart of every one of us the seeds of evil and the sins of unrighteousness that label us this morning just as desperately needy of a Savior as were those terrorists on Tuesday? There's not a soul here who needs a Savior less. In fact, Paul makes that point. Just turn a page backwards to Romans chapter 3. Paul makes that point here. Romans chapter 3, verse 9. What then? Romans 3, 9. What then? Are we any better off than the terrorists? Are we? Are we any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, both Arabs and Americans... We are all under the power of sin as it is written. There is no one who is righteous. No, not even one. There is no one who has understanding. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. There is no one who shows kindness. There is not even one. Now look at verse 15. Their feet, our feet, are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery are in their paths, our paths. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear before their eyes. Now, verse 23, since all have sinned and fall short, all of us fall short of the glory of God. That's true. There isn't anybody here. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced. There's nobody here who has the blood of 7,000 on his hands or on her head. While that is true, nevertheless... I remind you, we have hijacked our own lives and we have brought down our own souls by rebel pride and foolish, foolish sin. We've done it to ourselves. Nobody stormed our plane. We brought ourselves down. We are the ungodly for whom Christ died. It does not matter the sin. For just one sin, a sinner makes. And just one sinner, a Savior takes. It does not matter at all. We are the ungodly for whom Christ died. And Calvary is the cockpit of my evil. It is where the cockpit of my evil, our evil, was finally stormed. The words we sang a moment ago, the words of Bernard of Clairvaux. What thou, my Lord, hast suffered was all for sinners' gain. Mine, mine was the transgression, but thine the deadly pain. Lo, here I fall, my Savior. Tis I deserve thy place. Look on me with thy favor. Vouchsafe and grant to me thy grace. Grant to me thy grace, O God. Grant to me your grace. Romans 5, Romans 5, verse 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves His love for us in that while we were still sinners... Christ died. Hallelujah. Christ died for you and me in remembrance of our hero. Our hero. So that we would never forget. So that we would never forget 
in remembrance of our hero. I saw a GTE telephone operator interviewed on NBC a few days ago. Some interview, let me tell you. She had been keeping the story to herself. I can't blame her. It's simply, surely in her mind, too sacred a story to phone in to a story-hungry press. She kept the story, but somehow the word leaked out. And a reporter is sitting down beside her, this telephone operator. And we heard for the very first time the story of another phone call from the fated United Flight 93. A young man aboard the airliner grabbed the phone. And those of you that travel know that in uh, those 757s and 767s, the telephone is built right into the back rest in front of you. He grabbed the phone, dialed a number, and got a... They're all GTE phones. He got a GTE operator in Illinois. This young man, somewhere high in the sky, knows that his flight is doomed. He's afraid, and he keeps repeating to her, Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. And finally, he says to her, a whisper, Would you... Please pray the Lord's Prayer with me. And she did this anonymous voice on the other end of the line. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. She kept praying until the phone finally clicked off. It occurs to me, ladies and gentlemen, that today, right now, would be a very good moment to pick up the phone And call that father. It occurs to me that right now, I can think of no better one to call than our father. This God who proves his love for us in that while we still were sinners, Christ died for us. In fact, you know what? I've never done this before, and I'm, I'm just, I'm going to do it right now. I want to end this communion homily with an altar call. Because there may be somebody here who needs to make, at this crucial moment and juncture in your life, a call for help, a call for salvation. If there is a man here today, who needs the Savior, who needs to call for the Lord Jesus Christ to save him now. It has not been clear, not in your life. There is a man here today who needs that Savior. I wish you'd get up out of your pew right now and come here to the front. Make a call and ask the God of this universe, who has already proven his love for us, to save you. 
If there's a woman here today in the choir or in the balcony, standing in the back or in our overflow room, if there is someone here today, a woman who needs, you've got to get it. You've got to get it right today between your heart and the heart of the father that the young man was praying to before his life ended. If there's somebody here today who needs to come to the God of the universe and dial that number and be saved this day, I wish you'd get up out of your pew right now and come and join these who've come to the front. We are at the foot of the cross today. We are remembering our hero today. God has proved His love for us in that while we were still sinners, as guilty as the terrorists, you have one sin, the terrorists had a million. It doesn't matter. Just one sin cuts off the rebel heart in proud defiance. And if you knew that tonight the plane of your life was going down, If you knew that tonight it would be over for you in this life, are you secure right now that in Christ Jesus you have eternal life and your hero is your Savior? If you are not secure, you may come forward. And in coming forward, you say, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me and save me now. We're going to sing a song that we sang a moment ago with our praise team, Jesus, Keep Me Near the Cross. I'm going to sing just the first stanza to that song. While we're singing, if there are any others who would join these who come to the Savior today, today. I'm telling you, you say, Sunday, Sunday will be a different day. And if you wait till Monday, your agenda will change. You're here right now because Jesus knew, I guess He knew, this was going to be a saving place today. And He began to work on your heart and you're standing in the back, you're in the balcony, you're in the choir. Today was the day that you happen to be in this church. Today you're watching on television. Today you happen to be at this moment on that channel. Today. Today is your day. You're watching on television right now, by the way. All you have to do is just reach up to Jesus. It's that simple. You don't have to wait till tonight. You need Jesus right now. And so, we're going to sing just the first stanza. Jesus, keep me near the cross there, a precious fountain, free to all a healing stream flows from Calvary's mountain. If your heart is sullied, if your heart is stained, and you need the blood that washes clean, this is your moment. Be washed today, so that if your plane should go down tonight and God knows we pray none of us shall go down tonight, but if it should, you can with absolute confidence in your hero and Savior face eternity. I'm going to ask everybody to stand now. And while we're standing, if there are any others who would slip out of that pew from the back to the front from behind me, come to Jesus. This is a saving moment. Come to your Savior. He's your hero. He's already paid the price and stormed the cockpit to deliver you from evil. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name.